Hi, and welcome to the Quick and Dirty Romance Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Sky McDonald, author of the Auntie Bell series. And I'm Sarah Smith, author of Faker, If You Never Come Back, Simmer Down, On Location, and The Close-Up. And together we are Sarah Skye, author of the best-selling Sips and Strokes and newly released Vibes and Feels. Each episode will dive deep into what it's like to be a contemporary romance author. We'll talk writing inspiration, give you the inside scoop about the publishing world, chat about how we write those infamous sex scenes, and more. And then we'll pull out and wrap it up in 30 minutes or less, but we promise to leave you satisfied. And if you haven't already read our books, please be sure to check them out after you listen to the podcast and DM us with any questions or requests for future episodes that you might have. So this is an and more episode. Sarah, guess what? what? I did a marathon the other weekend. Okay. okay. A marathon of Bridgerton season two. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. So confession, Sky. I haven't actually gotten got around to like watching this series at all because I know that season one was last year, I think, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe it was 2020. I don't remember. Time doesn't exist in the pandemic world. Correct. Um, but when I saw you raving about Bridgerton season two, and then our friend, our mutual friend, Sonia Palermo, who's a wonderful author who has a book called Hot Girl Summer. If you haven't read it, go get it now. Yep. Um, you guys were raving about it. And then I'm like, well, I have to check this out because I had some time. I'm like, okay, cool. I have like a couple days I can binge. And I binged both seasons last week and I am ready to discuss. And I know we haven't talked about this, so you don't really even know my reaction. So this is cool. This is like a cool blank reaction that's happening right now. Yeah, this is this is definitely a cold run on it. Um, I don't know where you're going to go with it and I'm very excited. Um, okay, so before we get started and spill all of the tea, spoiler alert, obviously. If you have not yet watched Bridgerton season one and two, I would suggest you stop this recording, go watch it all, and then come back to us and let us know what you're thinking. All right, so that's out of the way. Sarah, what did you think? Maybe just to begin, have you read the books? Because I don't really read historical romance. I'm very much contemporary rom, just like we write, just like I write. So honestly, I haven't read them and I'm probably not going to, but... Have you read them? And then let's dive in. What do you think? Tell me everything. Okay. So I have not read the books. Um, and Because like you, I don't really read historical romance. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it. I just, I just haven't. I think because contemporary romance is my jam. Mm-hmm. And I just, there's so many of that. But I, so no, I haven't read it. I've just watched the series. And what I thought was I really liked it. Like as somebody who doesn't, like I'm not a historical romance buff. I don't know anything about the time period. I don't, like I knew nothing about the series um, going into it other than it was huge on Netflix and romance. Landia was essentially freaking out about it, which was really cute to see. I, and I really enjoyed it. I really, really liked it. I thought it was very engaging very sexy. I thought they really nailed all of the romance, both seasons really Mm -hmm. nailed all of the romance tropes. Um, I thought it was really fun. And I also like, excuse me, I, but okay. I don't want to say anything super controversial, but I will say that I think that I liked season two better because and anyone who knows me, this is no surprise. I'm an enemies to lovers person like die hard enemies to lovers no matter what it is that is my most favorite trope ever mm-hmm. and I think season two was a really good enemies to lovers romance in my in my opinion okay 
am I like, are we still friends, Sky? Like, <laughs> still best friends because I am season two all the way, and we're gonna unpack that because I know that there is a a wide variety of opinions on that. Some people are very hard team season one, and some people are just absolutely in love. What are they calling them, Anthony? Yes, like that, Kate and Anthony. Um, so we'll get there. Uh, yeah, it's been hugely popular, and I'm really, really a fan of how widely it has been, like, just embraced because it is a romance. You know, I was, I was talking to um, a guy about it, and I was like, oh, I don't know how they're gonna get their happily ever after with, you know, the sister involved and. The guy was like, well, maybe they don't. And I was like, no, no, no. This is a romance. They're going to get the HEA. Let me explain. He's like, well, maybe not. I'm like, no, these are romances. There will be an HEA. Don't at me. Yeah, I would have slapped that guy. I'm like, how dare you even suggest they wouldn't figure out a way to HEA this? Let me tell you why there will be a happily ever after. Because, again, this is a romance. Uh, (laughs) But it's so much more like the dynamic of family and just like the way it comes together. I mean, it is it's like a fresh take on Jane Austen kind of vibe. I mean, us being such big Pride and Prejudice fans, like you definitely get those vibes, but it's more modern in a way like it just feels fresher. Um, But yes, I am. I am a big fan. I have seen people living and dying by it on social media. And I think it's very cute that this is so like embraced and popular because, you know, if you think of other stories that were made into movies and then people were like, Oh, this is really nothing like the book. Like, I think people have really enjoyed this one. I don't think it's been watered down. Of course we did our hot take on the hating game, um, which we both really, really enjoyed, but having not read these books, I don't feel the need to read them based on the quality of this book, this show. But then it's Shonda Rhimes, right? Like, so you know you're going to really get something here. I will say that I enjoy these stories way more than I like the Hating Game movie. I'm um, sorry. Um, no, be sorry because honestly, okay, here's what I'm going to say. I okay. love the Hating Game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think any of that does not surprise anybody who knows me. I think the book, is, the book is one of my favorites. I loved the movie adaptation. I agree with you, though. I, okay. I think that this Bridgerton series, especially season two, I think the way that it was adapted, or I guess I shouldn't say adapted because I didn't read the books. I don't know what the source material is. But as somebody who just watched the series straight through with no context, I really, really, really liked it. I think they did a really good job of like um, demonstrating the, the enemies to lovers trope as well as um, giving the characters some really compelling backstory that I think added to just like the weight of the relationship and their attraction and stuff. Like I, and I mean, not that the hating game didn't do that, but like the format's different, right? So like you have a 90 minute movie mm-hmm. and then for the hating game and then for Bridgerton, something like Bridgerton, you have a series. So you have like, I think it's eight episodes or at least it's, so it's it several eight. episodes. Yep. Yeah. Eight episodes where you're, you know, you're weaving in the backstory, you're adding like context, you're giving character building, you're, you have like a lot more time to complete the character arc. And yeah. I think that's why I liked, I mean, season one was amazing. I thought it was great, but something about season two, like there was just something about how these two enemies, Anthony and Kate, like they, I mean, she didn't like him more off the bat. And then like, you know, he didn't like her, but like, they were so similar because of like their sense of familial duty 
what they've been through, losing a parent, doing, you know, putting their needs aside in order to help their family and help like make sure that their family is taken care of instead of like taking care of what they want. Like, I feel like the, um, the writers, the creators of the show did such a good job with weaving that backstory and that character development in order to make these two enemies who hate each other for a lot of, of the series actually have a, a lot more in common than they actually initially realized. And I think that really g- it gave substance to their attraction because it was clear that they were attracted to each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like you could be attracted to somebody who you're not going to have a whole lot of like a connection with, you know? Well, and like then this, when you- um, Edwina, she was attracted to Anthony, but yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a real connection there. Right. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm going to jump in on that because that to me really was why season two won my heart in a way. Mm-hmm. Season one, I adored it. Like I tore through it too, but season two had a lot more meat on it for me, if you will. Haha. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the reason that it did is because of those backstories as an oldest sibling, as someone who took care of my sisters, not in any way like this, you know, but I did, I watched my sisters when they were small. I like babysat them while my mother worked. Da, 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 da. That feeling of like, I need to take care of people. Like, was when when they were showing like Anthony's back Anthony's backstory, I was just like, oh my god! Like yeah. it was so <laughs> compelling. Those those flashback scenes of him having to come into manhood in a very abrupt way, and like the like they just did a really nice job without belaboring the point, right? In mm-hmm. season one, Anthony's kind of annoying. Like he's mm-hmm. he seems to be blocking Daphne. It's like that's her name, right, Daphne? Yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't like him in season one. I thought it was right. Like, he's not <laughs> likable. He's like, what is wrong with you? Why are you being such a jerk? He's so huffy, right? He's very huffy, and the way that they and they didn't start there. Kind of, kind of like we didn't start by making Marco nice in Vibes and Feels book two, <laughs> aka our enemies to lovers. Um, the way that we did not let Marco just be suddenly a nice guy. Like, they didn't start by making Anthony sympathetic, right? Like, that actually took several episodes to get into the story. But as soon as it did, it worked. And the the pacing of it, to me, worked very well. And then Kate, oh, my gosh. Just that, like, she's trying so hard to, like, tamp down her feels so everything could be okay for her sister, her half-sister. Oh, oh, my heart. Like, and again, I'm the oldest of sisters, right? So, like, and again not pretending like any of those things ever happened to me, just saying that feeling of like wanting the best for your siblings, that feeling of being in charge, like that really hit me. And then also too, just the tragedy of like Anthony's like, oh my gosh, it was all, they gave such depth to the characters that their huffiness and their, their pride, if you will, really was well explained. And I think that's a really key thing when you're dealing with enemies to lovers or very strong personalities is like, what's their motivation? Why are they doing this? And once you understand that, it really helps. Um, But yeah, I I definitely, I'm enemies to lovers team as well. And I thought it was funny because I'm going to reference our books again, but like Sips and Strokes, our first book is a fake dating trope. And then we moved into enemies to lovers. So I'm very uh, amused by this fact. It feels like a good flow. I guess that they agree. But um, 
No, I liked season one. I liked the way it established. And I really, like, I love the music. I mean, God, the soundtrack is great. Yeah. All of like, you're listening for it. You're like, what song is this? What song is this? <laughs> um, I love it. The costumes, beautiful. The queen, who oh is getting a spinoff show. Yes! Oh, she is? Yes, she is. Oh, I just awesome. saw that the other day. Yes, there is a spinoff, like, origin story of the queen. I was like, yes. But, like, yeah, the costumes are everything that just, I, I think, is a beautifully done show. Just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I actually was going to say, um, the, you mentioned the music. I thought that was really well done. And I, um, so I love, obviously, I love, like, Pride and Prejudice, Persuasion. Mm-hmm. All of the, all of the period romances, I think, are amazing. But I think they can feel a little bit, like, I don't know if, um, Duffy is the right word, but it can feel a little bit like dated to the point where like, I don't think, or I think you miss out on some people who would be part of the audience because the way that it's packaged and the way that the story is laid out is just not like in a very slick way, not in a bad way because it's true to the story, but not in a very modernized slick way. And I think Bridgerton did a really good job of modernizing this very obvious, like historical romance, essentially. So like, but they did it in like a way that doesn't take you out of the story. Like obviously there's not, you know, like Ed Sheeran isn't coming in playing a guitar solo. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't that. It was just like they're having instrumentals of like dancing on my own and a wrecking yeah. ball. And like it's it's so good. Or like Ariana Grande. And I'm like, this is a really awesome way of like putting a modern um sleekness to a historical romance that like it was really engaging but worked really well. So even though that has nothing to do with the romance, I just thought like packaging wise, it made the show really alluring. I agree. I think packaging wise is an excellent way to put it. Mm-hmm. I also think that probably that's why they were able to get away with the sex scenes in season one. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something. My mother loves Pride and Prejudice. Loves, loves, loves Pride and Prejudice. And I was like, I think she should watch this. It's so good. And to me, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's not that steamy. And friends no. were like, Yes, it is. And I was like, is it? I mean, that's like a whole other, I feel like that leads us into like the tried and true discussion in romance world. Like, okay, what is steamy? Because what is steamy to like my auntie is not steamy to me. And what is steamy to me is like a Disney movie compared to like my friend who reads like erotic, dark romance. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's all relative, but it's like, I mean, it is, you know, it's not, not steamy. Like, I, I know that season one was a lot more, um, had a lot more like love scenes in season two, but like, it's like, people are talking about this, like it's some adult. <laughs> I knew that really were like, it was porny or something. And I was like, I didn't think that it was, I mean, I thought that steam was appropriate. I didn't think yeah. it was not steamy, but I didn't think it was avert your eyes, mother. And my mother has this phrase, she loves to use the phrase gratuitous. Okay, so just <laughs> gratuitous. And I'm like, well, don't read my books, mom. Because um, <laughs> it's left, right, and center. But um, I, I figured, I guess I backed off of re- of suggesting it to her because other people who would be more on her tempo of such a thing, they were like, yes, it is. And I was like, oh, I guess, like you just said, like to me, it was just appropriate. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, they're doing it again. It was like, yeah, no. But I will say, I will say, did you notice how fast he came? 
Like, (laughs) that was a huge thing for me. Like, I know the whole thing about him trying to get a break, but it was like every sex scene, he was done in like 10 seconds. I was like, what is this? Yeah. You're talking about Simon from season yes, one, right? Yes, talking about yeah. Simon from season one. Sexy yeah. AF Simon. Oh but like, every sex scene was over. He, like, would get started and would be done. He was, like, a yeah. two man. I was like, what is this? Is this supposed to be a thing? Yeah, no, I did notice that. And I, part of me was like, well, that's probably for, like, runtime issues. And they can't have it be, like, too long. But also, like, yeah. what? But, you know, he was very, like, he was a very generous lover too he always made sure that like Daphne got her orgasm like he would go down on her and he would like do stuff to her too and he was very like because she was a virgin before she was with him Uh and he would do things to like be very attentive to her um which I really appreciate but yeah I'm just like dude I know know. they were both spicy and yet I couldn't get past that and I did think when I read about Bridgerton season two, I read that there was going to be a lot more steamy glances than actual steam. And I was like, oh, but I have to say the heat was just right. It was just right. Like, oh, the so close moments. And then the scene in the gazebo when she's like, what did I tell you about you and your rules? I was like, oh, yes. (laughs) No, I totally, I'm right there with you, which honestly kind of surprised me because I'm definitely a person who's like, Ugh, they're gonna cut down on the steam. Like, of yeah. course they yeah. are, and they're gonna water it down, or they're gonna like talk about paint swatches or like something horrible. And like, this isn't supposed to be what this is like. But I think because they had so much like pining and tension, and almost like, oh, they almost kissed, or oh, they almost yeah. did this. It worked really well. And I know, like, I, I know some people don't like that, but like. Again, if you know myself, I am all about that. I love the almost like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. come on. Like, I remember, um, not to like talk about myself, but I remember when I released my book Faker, my sister-in-law was reading or she was listening to the audiobook, And there were like a million instances in that book of them like almost doing it. And she told me, she's like, I was listening to it in my car. And it was like when they almost did it. And then the chapter ended and they didn't do it. And I was like, are you kidding me? She was so <laughs> mad that she was like, but it made me want to like listen to it more. And I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point of doing something like that. It's like you hook in the reader and like you're also, or the reader, the listener, the watcher, whoever is, whatever medium this is. And you're like making them feel more and more invested in the relationship. And I think it worked really well for the two of them, for Anthony and um, Kate, because their circumstances were not such that they could be like, yeah, you want to like hook up? Like, no, yeah. we can't. Like, I'm engaged to your sister. Yes. Like, we can't just do this. So I, yes, like it was definitely fewer sex scenes than season one, but I think it worked really well and it did not take away from how sexy or romantic it was. In my opinion, just like, just like I agree. I agree. I thought that the one like full sex scene was very hot and the rest of it like you were one like you said it was like that are you kidding me it's like come on come on now and I heard a lot of criticism about people saying they wanted more of scenes of Kate and Anthony I heard people were like really mad that we didn't get to see their wedding but then I heard the show creators saying like there had already been this one huge elaborate wedding anything we tried to do would either been redundant or paled in comparison to the queen's supported wedding. And I completely, I didn't feel cheated of any of it. Like I just thought it was all like, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, 
Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I'm definitely somebody who I can definitely, like, if we've already done something, we don't need to see it again. And it didn't, mm-hmm. I don't think we lost anything. I mean, we got to see them in their honeymoon newlywed phase where they're just, like, screwing on everything. Which is in front of the family. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was uh, great, yeah. I did think, I, I really, I have enjoyed it. I'm excited for more. Um, okay, so... Before we wrap this up, um, is there anything about it that you don't like, whether that be a character, a situation, anything that you were like, "Mm, I don't know. You know, that's a really interesting question. Um, No, okay. Right. And I I figured you did. (laughs) Um, So for me, I don't think, you know what? There was one thing, but it wasn't even that big of a deal. I, um, I didn't like that Simon didn't, make an appearance and even though he's not like a major character in season two at all like Daphne comes back they clearly are happily married with a kid but I understand like that wasn't to do anything with the story like I think the actor's contract just wasn't for two seasons I think it was just for one so obviously he wouldn't come back it's just for me in my like HEA happy romance I want to see like I want to see the couple from first season living happily and obviously they were they had a baby they were married There was a whole thing about that. Something like it it was kind of mysterious why he wouldn't even be back for a cameo. But like the first time you saw Daphne, it was like, okay. But then like she showed up like a couple, three times and it started to get like, where? Like I knew that we weren't going to see him, but it it felt noticeable. Yeah, I I agree. And I, and I, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's because this is a story. This is a series about, a family and the siblings and all of the siblings, you know, they're going through each of their love stories or at least the older ones. Cause the ones are little kids. So they're not going to, they're not applicable, but like, um, it, it was, like you said, it was noticeable that Simon wasn't there. I get why, because like in movie making Netflix world, if your contract isn't for multiple yeah. seasons, you don't come back for multiple seasons. It's just yeah. how it is. And everybody just has to deal with it. But yeah, like it, I, I just wanted to, it wasn't like he needed to do anything. I just wanted to like see him like holding their baby and hang yeah. out with Daphne. <laughs> I yeah, I feel that. The one thing that I was like, eh, if in a perfect world, I would change that. But honestly, everything else I really liked from both seasons. There was nothing that I was like, oh, this sucks. I hate it. What about you, Sky? So I don't, th- yeah, no. Okay. All right. So first of all, I'd like to give a shout out to the Featherington family because they are really an interesting and really well done group um, of like frenemy kind of thing. And what's her name? Uh, the mother, uh, Mrs. Portia. Ted, Portia, Portia. Thank you. The way she took care of her family at the end. Damn, yeah. That was some shade in a way that I did not see coming. I was impressed. Mm-hmm. But the character that I cannot like, I don't want to see her on screen is Eloise. I have a lot of issue with Eloise Bridgerton and I read an article about paralleling her to um, Mary Bennett and how it's like both of them, like they're pseudo intellectual. They're not actually progressive women. Like they're both kind of empty and spend most of their time judging other people without actually looking through it. And I don't know if her acting is just top notch or if it's just the general character, but that character I don't identify with. I don't sympathize with. I don't like to see there is nothing about her mannerisms, her movements, her behavior and her rudeness. Everything about her 
is like, uh, it's like, I love to hate it. I'm like, whenever she comes, <laughs> I don't like her story. I don't like the way she, she's friends with Penelope. I don't like the way she acts towards her sister, Daphne. Like, and the article I read, which I'm more than happy to link for people. And please let me hear your hot take on Eloise because this is mine. But the article was talking about how, again, she spends all of her time deeming herself superior when in fact there's really nothing going on and she doesn't look beyond her own nose. And that like everything about her character, like I said, including like her bodily movements are cringe to me. So I felt really, I, I love Penelope. I love Pen, um, <laughs> but I do not like Eloise. She just gets, I don't know. It's like, ah, that's my. No. Okay. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, I think that's a great hot take. I can totally see how, how you don't like her. Cause she's very obnoxious and like, she definitely doesn't, I think, realize her position of privilege. I mean, I know that this is way back in the day. Women didn't have a lot of, No, but you know, the scene with that print shop guy, when he says, he's yeah. like, yeah, you're going to go back. Like, that was really quite spot on. And I just think yeah. her way yeah. of, like, she was not a good friend to Pen Penelope at all yeah. at any juncture. I don't know. And then, I don't know. Yeah, I, I do not like yeah, no, and I, I wonder, too, so, like, I wonder if eventually she's going to get her own, mm -hmm. you know, love story. I don't, and I don't know. I don't know how things at Netflix works, obviously. Um, I don't know how many seasons of this there's going to be. Um, I wonder if, if they do end up doing Eloise, if they're going to redeem her in some way, if this is all set up to redeem her, because she is kind of obnoxious and spoiled and very entitled and self-centered not I don't think she's like a sociopath I just think she's yeah, like a very yeah. immature woman of privilege and she doesn't realize the yeah. situation she's in um so I wonder if her character arc whatever that is if it ever happens if they're going to redeem her and make her have some self-awareness and realize wow I was really like entitled and like a jerk for a long time because she's pretty young in this right like she's well I mean she just had her coming out season so. I don't know what that I'm thinking that's supposed to be like 16, 17, or 18, one of those years. So, yeah. and also I, I read this thing. She's, at, the actor is actually like 32. Like, Are you serious? Yeah, it's a total like <laughs> breakfast club situation. Yeah. I um, thought she was like 20 or something. So, she so hilarious. 30. I was like, oh, wow. Um, so. Can we get her skincare? <laughs> I know, bravo, miss. Yeah. But. I was actually talking to somebody about the season once I was done and, you know, I was like hung over from the show and they were saying like, Oh, I wonder who will be next. Who will be the next story? It'll probably be Eloise because there was so much about her. And I was like, hold on, you missed the important part. And that was the scene where, um, Benedict? Yes. Yeah. Benedict and Eloise are sitting in the swing and he says something about her having relationship problems. And she said, what would you know about it? And he was like, you're right. Nothing actually. And I was like, that is, he's next because of that line, because uh, I know my romance, <laughs> that one line, you're like, yeah, I really don't know anything about it. You about to learn son. You about to. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. That could be their, that could be the creator's way of like breadcrumbing or like, or foreshadowing. That's true. Yeah. But I feel like they do that with multiple characters. So it could be, I don't know as a romance writer. I, I caught that line. I was yeah. like, it's you. 
<laughs> I will. Okay, I will say one thing about Eloise that I did like had nothing to do with her person. Well, we'll see. But do you remember um, in season two where she's at her coming out and like she makes a joke to the queen and <laughs> the queen like I don't. It's about like emeralds or something, and the queen's like, "Hey, I kind of like you." And everybody like. And then that mean girl, she's with Penelope. Uh, Louise is with Penelope. And that mean girl comes up to her. She's like, oh, I, you know, just kind of alluding to like, oh, you need to have better friends if you're going to like be on this good of terms with the queen. And Eloise's like, nope, I'd rather die. And then she like leaves with Penelope <laughs> in her hand or in her arm. And I thought that was really funny. And That's cute. It was something that like I would say. I, <laughs> you know, I'd rather die. I can see that. That is a you kind of line. I like that. <laughs> would say that <laughs> yeah well you identified with that I liked it when the queen was like at the end she's like aren't they she was like oh didn't you know that wedding didn't happen because I didn't want it to aren't they a beautiful couple and she was like aren't they like I love the queen she is so amazing also, I love too. also season two featured a corgi and anybody who knows me as soon as that corgi came on screen I was like Ooh. so yeah um that was I thought of you when I saw um Newton the Corgi I was like oh my god yes. died died I was like oh I like you best I like you best all right so Bridgerton wins over the hating game is that where we're That's our yeah. yeah and I not to say that there's anything bad or wrong with the hating game I just think the format counts for a lot this is much longer you could tell like there was a more um intricate in-depth adaptation i think both are still worth watching I, oh, yeah. I love yeah oh love it like any good romance is fun to watch i think my point on that is the show bridgerton is so good that i don't feel the need to read the book whereas mm -hmm. if i had seen the hating game i would want to read the book to right. be like oh what's this all about so yeah so on that note talking about bridgerton is always good for me was it good for you sarah Hell yeah, it was good for me. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Thank you all so much for listening. If you like what you hear, or if you don't, just feel free to argue with us because all of these are our own opinions. But either way, we would love it if you leave us a review, if you've been entertained on your iTunes or wherever you listen. And if you haven't already, already read our books, they are Sips and Strokes and Vibes and Feels by us, Sarah Skye. Not suitable for work, off the record, and nemesis by me, Sky McDonald, and Faker, Simmer Down, If You Never Come Back, and On Location, and the newly released The Close-Up by Sarah Smith. You can find us on Twitter at Author Sarah Sky, and on Instagram also at Author Sarah Sky. You can find me on both at Writer Sky McD. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Author Sarah S. We love to hear from you, so reach out and DM us with any questions or comments or requests for future episodes. Thanks guys so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.